Marcus Kevin Johnson. He is getting his number retired. It's going to the rafters of the Fiserv Forum. He is now joining us on the Schneider Orange Hotline. How you doing today, Marcus? I am doing wonderful, Bill. Thank you for asking. A great ceremony uh, at the Discovery World for the Wisconsin Athletic Hall of Fame induction. Uh, myself and Herb Kohler and, and uh, Mr. Wolf from the from the Packers. Uh, it was just a great evening, and uh, I'm just uh, honored to be included in that number. I I want to take you back because you played for Don Nelson. You played alongside Junior Bridgman. I mean, you had, uh, you know, Terry Cummings, and you go through that whole group. Um, talk about what it was like being a Milwaukee Buck when there was just so much. Now, not that there's excitement, not excitement now, because we all know the town's on fire, but that was that was a franchise that was just really a buzz in Milwaukee at that point in time. Well, yeah, before I was drafted in 1977, I believe the Bucks had won 20, 22 games the year before, something like that, mm-hmm. in the 20 somewhere. And so, uh, I, I, you know, I don't think there was a lot of uh, over-the-top expectations. I think if we would have won 30, 35 games, people would have been happy. But we wound up winning 44 games my rookie year, and uh, I, I was just a part of a great young nucleus with myself and Junior Bridgman and Quinn Buckner, uh, Ken Benson was the number one pick. Dave Myers, uh, my teammate at UCLA, was uh, was the forward. He was in his third year. Brian Winters was about a third or fourth year player at that time. I actually got traded for Terry Cummings. That's right, you did. Together. I forgot yeah, that. We played together. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. So, but but we had a great young draft in Sydney Moncrief, I think in '79. A couple of years later, so by the time the early '80s rolled around, we just had a, a core of just good young talent. And a great coaching staff, and Don Nelson, uh, great ownership, and Jim Fitzgerald, and, and and that crew, and it was just uh, kind of a, a resurgence of Milwaukee Buck basketball because the team, after Kareem had left, had been down for a couple of years. When uh, you know you guys are playing, first of all, you're playing in the Mecca, which was so historic even then. Uh, you know, when talk about what it was to play like in the Mecca because people, I don't think. Uh, at least younger people, they don't remember. They just know it as the UWM Panther Arena, and sometimes it's crowded, sometimes it's not. But that place used to rock, didn't it? Oh man, it would rock like crazy. And uh, you know, we played. Uh, it was the smallest venue in the league, I believe, at that point, ten thousand and maybe nine hundred and something seats. And I remember I got a call after my second or third year from John Steinmiller, the vice president of business operations, telling me that they were going to expand the mecca. And I came back, and they've added like fifty seats. And so we hit to the 10,980, we were like 11,022 or something like that. Mm-hmm. But that being said, I mean, we catch these West Coast teams in particular, the Lakers coming in with Magic and Norm Nixon and Jamal Wilkes and their fur coats and all their, you know, bejeweled with all their bottles and all that. And, and we just, we'd wear them out. And it was just the, the fans loved it. They would just be on their feet nonstop. We had a great organist. Uh, last name was James. I forget the first name, but Frank James was it. But anyway, he was a great, great organist. That when I do something on the floor, he would he would play the daring young man on the flying trapeze. And I mean, it was just a great basketball environment. That's when they had organists providing the music. So you know, you, mm-hmm. you, get, you get a you get a feel for instead of the DJ with the two turntables, we had the we had the old school organist and. And uh, those were some great days, man, and they bring back, bring back great memories, and we were really tough to beat at home. You paint 
a, a picture, and I, I'm thinking to myself, somebody that knows description and, and theater of the mind is talking to me. And then I realized, correct me if I'm wrong, I read you were a theater major at UCLA, right? Yeah, theater major at UCLA, but I've, I've been involved in, in, in musical production since the seventh grade in middle school, all through high school and college. So it's always been a big part of my DNA, and uh, I've just been enamored with that aspect, uh, theater arts and movie making and, 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 and screenwriting and, and, and stage production and all that good stuff, man. So I did some stuff at UCLA, had my own campus TV show, did some uh, live theater at UCLA. Uh, it was just a great, great uh, way to, to get introduced and, and, and to expand on what I already knew coming in. So how does a six seven six eight cat get a theater gig and uh, you not stand out on stage? Well, that's the deal. That's another. Uh-huh. I had to go into. I basically had to go into broadcasting because you know, the, the 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 roles were really kind of specialized and limited. And so, you know, I had basketball films, White Men Can't Jump, Blue Chips. I was able to do some other things, a movie called Street with some other stuff. But for the most part, I mean, most actors are not that tall. You know, between five nine, five ten, and right. you know, six six three is tall for an actor. And so here I am at six, 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 seven, towering over everybody. But I made it work for as long as I could. I did a great uh, a character on a show called Castle on ABC about two years ago. But I, we, we played. It was called the Last Action Heroes, and and uh, it was kind of the Schwarzenegger action hero type type group of guys that they got together with the star of that show to solve a solve a murder mystery. And so I mean, once in a while, some roles come along where where the height becomes a becomes an advantage. So. Uh, it's all good, but I, you know, I, I, I love the fact that I've, I've been able to do as much as I have. Did you get to work with the entire cast of uh, of Blue, uh, Blue Chips with Nick Nolte and company? Yeah, no, we, every day, every day with That's Nick awesome. Nolte. She, she, we spent, I think it was about two or three weeks back in Indiana. We shot all the basketball scenes in a ten thousand seat arena, I think in Frankfurt, Indiana, and so the whole crew throughout Indiana. We, we, we stayed in the small town for about about two or three weeks, and Pete Newell was there. And she, you know, Pete Newell was renowned for his uh, big man's campus footwork, and so he'd work with Shaq every day uh, in between shooting, and I'd sit there and watch what he was doing with, with Shaq and Penny Hardaway. It was great to be around, and Chris Mills, and, and, and just a, a plethora of just a Rick Fox and Bobby Hurley and all these great players. Rick Pitino was on set. Dick Vitale was there for a few days. I mean, it was just one of the greatest kind of basketball experiences to, to, to have gone through, and uh, we, we had a ball. Nick Nolte was a pleasure to be around. A funny story, uh, Nick was a punter in junior college, and so there was a scene where he had to kick the ball in the stand, and so the director, William Freakin, who directed The Exorcist, he was married to Sherry Lancy, who was head of Paramount Studios, and mm-hmm. he was the, the director. He told Nick, was like, so, so Billy, where, where do you want me to kick the ball? So Billy was like, well, aim for that camera at the very top of the arena. And so when it came time for Nick to kick the ball, he kicked it toward the camera, and the cameraman actually caught the ball. <laughs> that's really? Not, that's not accurate. That's, 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 that's a true story. Wow. That's how accurate he was. But a little stuff like that happened. Bobby Knight was there, and, you know, Bobby Knight refused to wear the same clothes for, for, for uh, you know, for, for, for shooting and where you need consistent consistency and uh, all that good stuff. And so he, he caused the stir on, on, on set. It was, it was just an exciting it's time so he, to be involved. So Bobby Knight was as cantankerous on the set as he was uh, uh, coaching the sideline. Yeah, let me get so here's the story. So, 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 so the final play, 
We're playing against the Indiana team, coached by Bobby Knight, but they've got different guys, Calvin Chaney, Bobby Hurley, some Indiana players. And so the final basket, so, so the game plays out. We just play a regular game, regular refs. We let the townspeople come in for free. So it's 10,000 people there. We're playing a regular game, Shaq, Penny, Mitchell Butler from UCLA, all these great college players going against each other. As it turns out, the game plays out perfectly. It's a tie game. It's, it's two seconds left. So Nick Nolte calls timeout. And so now the winning basket is supposed to be a live play for Shaq. And so we set up the live. We tell Bobby Knight this is what we're going to do, back screen. Shaq says it's a live. It's a buzzer to win the game. We go back out, and they say action. And Bobby has Calvert Chaney and Bobby Hurley grab Shaq so he can't go <laughs> for the live pass. He just messes up the whole, whole shoot. And so then he goes over to, to the director and says, you know, you guys have been messing with me for this whole whole production. Now I got a chance to mess with you. Now I'll let you make your movie. Shoot it again, you know. He <laughs> <laughs> was, was classic Bobby Knight, man. It was Dick Vitale when he first got there, came up behind Bobby in the wardrobe room and gave him a hug from behind. And Bobby turned around and shoved Dick, Dick Vitale into the clothes hamper. And Dick Vitale went, you know, sprawling all over the place. And Bobby's like, I got to pull up with your crap. You know, during the course of the season, I mean, damn, I'm going to put up with it now. And, you know, stormed out the room. It was just Bobby Knight. <laughs> it, was, it was classic. Bobby that is Knight. awesome. That is awesome. What yeah. a, what an yeah. incredible career on the court and off the court. Love the love the calls on the uh, on the broadcast as well. Uh, Marcus, it couldn't happen to a nicer guy. We're so happy for you. Congratulations on everything that's going on in your life right now, including getting that uh, number eight hoisted to the Raptors. We certainly appreciate your time, man, okay? Well, well yeah, thank the fans of Wisconsin for being just so uh, embracing and, and, and supportive of me. Uh, when, I, when I came back three years ago to work for the Bucks. it's just been a, been a great ride. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, pal. We'll talk to you soon, okay? Thank you. There you go. Marcus Johnson joining us for a couple of minutes on the uh, Schneider Orange Hotline. Schneider hiring drivers right now. You work hard, they treat you fair. 80-plus years they've been getting it done. Call them, 844-PRIDE, or go to schneiderjobs.com. 844-PRIDE, or go to schneiderjobs.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.